And welcome on this Saturday morning to Green Thumb from Hair Nursery. Hello, I'm Dan DiOrio, along with Ethan Wise. Uh, Green Thumb heard every Saturday at 7 o'clock, so grab your cup of coffee and we'll be off and running. Now, we're going to do something different, uh, Ethan. We're going to spice have, up the show. Yeah, we're going to do a play-along. Yes. Uh, you can play at home the Green Thumb Nursery game at home. <laughs> I like this. This is me continuing thing. Yes. Uh, the uh, What you do is, and we'll while you're doing all of this, uh, we'll be talking about a few other things that are going on. But go on to the website. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So it's hairnursery.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's it's been massively updated over the last year. We've really put in time um, and effort into creating a very user-friendly website. We have uh, a webmaster hired under staff who has really put this together. And I think he's done an amazing job. And he, he's teamed up with our marketing department. Um, and, and they want to make sure that, you know, it, the day and age, it, it's it's computer world, you know, now. And so we want people to feel like they can shop to an extent what we have. Now, our website really isn't set up or meant for to be a catalog, um, but it's meant to give you an idea of what you could find at Hair Nursery. You know, it's hard shipping plants or shipping planting material, um, but we want people to be able to at least look at it on, on, the, on the website before they come into the store so they know what they want. Want. And you have Plantopedia, which we is have, great for people. Yeah, that's something um, I was just telling you. I I, I never mm. bring it up mm. enough on the show, but that is a wonderful tool. Uh, Plantopedia on our website. If you go onto our website, and in the top left corner is our hair nursery logo, uh, leaf logo, which is a new updated logo this year um, from the Red Oval. And uh, right below that, it'll be a link that says Find Plants. And when you click on that, it takes you to our Plantopedia. Um, and from there, you can really narrow down your search. Um, you don't have to just scroll through uh, 15 pages of our trees. You can define your search by how tall you want the tree to be, whether, you want, whether or not you want it to be an evergreen or deciduous, meaning its leaves drop, um, a shrub, uh, a perennial flower, a, a summer blooming flower, a fall color. You can really narrow down your search. It's really intuitive. Um, but we also have our stone market material on there, and that's one of the things we're going to talk about today. Yeah, we'll do that in a little while, so uh, uh, we'll wait for you to get on, uh, if you want to get on the uh, website at home. <clears throat> the, uh, and the Another thing about that Plantopedia, if you're at someone's house and you go, wow, I really like that, what is that? And they go, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just I, I saw it, I liked it. You can go on and identify mm-hmm. things that you see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it'd be definitely something you can go through, um, and you can narrow down, uh, I think, even by flower color. Um, and so, you know, you go to your friend's house, you see a yellow flower, you have no idea. Um, it, it's really nice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So here we got foliage color, flower color. It is very impressive. All right. So let's uh, kind of catch up where we are this summer. Some of us are still what we call taking back our yard or continuing to improve our landscaping. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still finishing up my weeding. I'll be done by this weekend. Uh, By the way, here's a tip for you. If you don't have a big area for your perennial or your flowers, and you're like, well, I want to get mulch, bagged mulch can be kind of expensive. 
if you bring in your own big yeah. green garbage bags, yep. you could get the mulch there. Just uh, You just shovel it in, put it in the back of, if you've got an SUV or a truck, mm -hmm. for pennies on the dollar. I oh, mean, yeah. It's, it's great so deal. inexpensive. Yeah. So I've seen people roll up with uh, uh, laundry baskets with tarps mm -hmm. in them, yeah. five-gallon buckets, the mm -hmm. big black trash bags. Yeah. I mean, whatever you want to do, you drive into our Stowe Market, you drive over our big red bridge, which is really our scale. Mm -hmm. They weigh your empty car, um, and uh, well, with you in it still. Um, and, uh, and then you drive over to the material that you want to load, tell them that you want to load up your own material. You can do rocks, mulch, whatever, and then you drive back on the scale and they they weigh you mm -hmm. um, and that you pay like like you said pennies on the dollar mm -hmm. uh, really a lot of what you're paying for when you buy bagged mulch is the labor that it took to put it in the bag and the material of the bag um, and then the shipping of those then bags that are palleted there's a pallet charge yeah there's all kinds of things no that go I, into... I did it I'm like I'm this is how I'm doing it from now on <laughs> yeah uh, you know it's not and you can get it uh, delivered mm -hmm. but um, just a little at a time it yeah works that way yeah, yeah so. Uh, what are, where are we now as far as, let's say, your garden as our test garden? Yeah. Where are we now as, as pests and mold and mildew? What's going on? Well, Japanese beetles um, oh, are, are, uh, are starting to come out. Yep, we're starting to see signs of them at Hare Nursery. Mm -hmm. um, some, of the, some of my coworkers have said that their property is riddled with them. If anyone lives next to a farm field, you have already seen them, I'm sure of it. Uh, they love soybeans and they love corn silk. And as long as Illinois grows corn and grows soy beans the beetles are here to stay so um, I hear that question is like how long before they you know we don't have to deal with them well it's gonna be a long time mm -hmm. uh, you know and farmers do spray for them that really helps keep the population down um, but uh, they uh, it, one beetle can lay 40 to 100 eggs I think mm -hmm. well 40 to 60 eggs um, at the end of every year so so they what do we do right now if you have them? So right now, the <clears throat> thing with insecticide is there's no preventative insecticide spray. There's nothing you can do that you spray that stays on there long term. Which is why we always talk about in spring the, the nematodes, right? Yes, yes, which is why you want to apply the nematodes in spring. Um, by no means is it a bad thing necessarily to buy nematodes now. Uh, but I think, uh, A, it's not going to do anything for the Japanese beetles now. Um, and the best time to put it on is in spring or in fall when the temperatures aren't so extreme because nematodes are a living organism. Mm -hmm. um, but there are sprays that you can use. Uh, there's organic sprays uh, with pyrethrin in it. Um, Triple Action is the brand that we sell. Pyrethrin is derived from the chrysanthemum plant, and it's very effective in killing a number of insects, including Japanese beetles. There's um, seven, of course, um, and I think the active ingredient is carborol in there. And so seven is a is a very common. You can find that almost anywhere uh, insecticide. Um, but sometimes, you know, if you're at a farm and fleet store, you'll find something that says livestock spray, something that's safe to spray um, around your livestock because certain insects will chew on them. Uh, and that product can also be pretty effective against Japanese beetles. Now, do Japanese beetles go after certain things or? Ooh, yeah. OK, what are they? Oh, like? they have they have their top 10 list for sure. <laughs> um, so anybody who has a rose. Um, recently uh, has probably seen a Japanese beetle on there. Anything in the hibiscus family. Um, so that's going to be your hollyhock, uh, your Rosa Sharon, uh, the the tropical hibiscus with the big red or orange flowers or the dinner plate perennial hibiscus that you'll see. So any of those, especially the flowers, that's the bummer about the rose family um, and the, the Malvaceae family, which is your hibiscus family. 
is it's not just the leaves that the Japanese beetles go after. They go after the flowers. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what you want out of those plants. And now is the time that they're stunning, producing a lot of flowers. Um, So anything like there. Also red-leafed varieties of plants. Red-leafed Japanese maples. Um, There's uh, uh, red-leafed Norway maples, the Crimson King variety or Crimson Sunset. They'll go after those. Uh, They'll go after uh, purple-leafed sand cherries or anything in the cherry family. So the whole prunus genus. um, That can be your peaches, your cherries, your plums. All of those can get chewed up by Japanese beetles. Prunus Genus, a good band name. Prunus Genus, is that like a geriatric band name? You know, the, <laughs> I feel like, yeah, that would, would probably what I'd expect. Waltzes. A lot of waltzes. <laughs> yeah. uh, I also have seen, too, there's a certain hosta. It's the thin green leaf basic hosta. Okay. Just a dark green. A lot of little spots in there. Is that the slugs? That is more than likely the slugs, uh, beetles, um, or snails. And, yeah, we touched on that uh, um, last episode, and, and you're going to continue to see those. Mm-hmm. The thing is is that many people's hostas, especially successfully um, planted hostas, are in very shady areas. Well, those areas are protected from the heat and the sun, uh, many things that can sometimes deter insects. Well, they're very protected in those shady areas, especially a big hosta that's got layers upon layers upon layers of leaves. There's lots of hitting crevices for those insects to hide. I've spoken to a few people about them. There are some, pro- as far as how you can spray for them, there's products that you can uh, spray around gran- uh, granular products, um, uh, sluggo and uh, diatomaceous earth or diple dust, um, last week's band name. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> um, They'll be at uh, summer camp. Um, but um, it, I got I got distracted. Sorry, I was thinking about the waltzes and um, the, uh, the 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 diaper dust is a bacteria um, that specifically targets uh, certain levels of uh, creepy crawlies. Um, and then there's the diatomaceous earth, which is an organic, uh, naturally sourced, uh, sometimes ground shells is is a contribute to what that can, uh, is based of. And they crawl across and it shreds them. It shreds them, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or they ingest it and it shreds them. I know that sounds gross, people, but yeah. you know, war is war. War is war, and they're not <laughs> top of the food chain. We no. are. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, lots of lots of things that you can use to treat those. I will say if you're noticing problems on your hostas or your shade bed, spray the underside of your leaves. Um, spray it around dusk. I think that's a very effective time to spray. If you're not seeing insects on your plants, but you're seeing insect damage, um, there's a, either spray early morning, early, early morning, like when you're listening to this show, pause the show. Oh, you can't pause the show. Okay, come out. You got you to gotta, uh, gotta go out in your garden before you listen to the show and spray your garden. Well, if you have the... Uh... <laughs> If you just stream uh, the, the, the radio station, you can have it on your phone. Well, there, there we go. go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, or in dusk. Dusk is, in a, is a prime time to pray, uh, or spray for insects. Well, if you put a bunch of salt down, don't the slugs and those hate salt? They do, but salt is also harmful for your plants. Oh, okay. So yeah. sodium is a nutrient that plants need in like parts per million, mm-hmm. but too much salt can harm them. That's why a lot of people's plants at the end of their driveway, like around their mailbox, might get uh, a lot of like... If it's an evergreen they might get brown on it over winter that's not necessarily winter damage that's the plow and the salt scooping up um over your uh your plants at the end of your driveway ah Mm -hmm. salt burn 
Uh, any molds or mildews you seeing out there? Yeah, well, uh, we have firsthand uh, experience w- uh, witnessing powdery mildew in its in its full glory, mm-hmm. um, and it can work fast. Unfortunately, it's it's a fungus that is common this time of year. Um, it can actually be common in spring too. It's common on uh, certain varieties of plants more often than not. The mint family uh, can be susceptible to it. Uh, bee balm can be susceptible to it. Flocks can also be susceptible. The more dense the plant is, the higher likelihood there is of the powdery mildew uh, because that plant just doesn't get a lot of airflow. Also, the fuzzier the leaf. Um, the more prone it can be to mildews because they can stick to that leaf better. What does it look like? So it's going to look like a mold. It's going to kind of look, uh, I know it's kind of gross, people. Hopefully you're not eating breakfast, but it can kind of look like uh, moldy cheese, uh, that sort of uh, material, that green or gray or, or uh, off-white fuzzy thing that's growing on the plant. Uh, if it looks like it doesn't belong, it probably well, doesn't. And then what does it do to the flower head? So what it does is it literally eats the plant. Mm-hmm. Um, so what that mold does is is the mycelium of that mold, which is kind of like mold roots or fungus roots. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called the mycelium. Well, it anchors into the plant and it saps nutrients out of the plant to feed the fungus. Does it turn just brown and dead looking? Yep. And then what it can do is eventually <clears throat> after it sucks all the juices out of that leaf or that plant, then the leaf starts to turn brown, crunchy, crispy, um, sometimes with like a... Um, uh, a, a mucusy material to it. So, if you replace the plants, mm-hmm. uh, will that mold still be hanging around the area? Not usually, um, especially in the kind of heat that we have. You know, if you have. Uh, uh, a lot of mulch, you know, sometimes it can stay in there, um, but you could spray a little bit of fungicide, just a little bit in the mulch and kill that off or, or in the area. You don't need to drench the area in fungicide because you don't want to kill all the good fungus that's in your soil, like mycorrhiza. Um, but a light spray could at least get it off the surface. Um, and then there's lots of sprays that you can use over the counter, almost any over the counter fungicide, whether it's organic um or uh, synthetic will help control powdery mildew. Okay. Uh, bagworms are big this year. They are. Um, so you probably. What do they look like, by the way? They look like little pine cones. Mm-hmm. There's probably a lot of people who have seen them and didn't know. Uh, this, it can look about a half inch to an inch wide um, and anywhere from two to three inches long. And they tend to hang on the tips of the plants which also kind of gives it this sort of pine cone look. And you'll see them on junipers, you'll see them on spruce trees, on yews. I've seen them on lilacs and burning bush as well. And what these little worms do, it starts off as a little worm, um, and uh, it it collects little pieces of material, plant material, and it sticks it to itself, and it starts dragging this shell-like thing behind it, and then ultimately threading a piece of silk and closing it off before it uh, metamorphosizes into a fly, um, uh, particularly a small little butterfly. Uh, But that insect, while it's harvesting all its material for the cocoon, is chewing and sucking out the life of your plant, creating small brown patches and spots uh, in your garden. Another pest that's doing that are spider mites. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, so, what do you do? Is there a spray for that? So this is one thing, and I apologize, listeners. I guess I, I did kind of drop the ball on on uh, reminding people when is the best time to spray. And usually, uh, the generality is that spraying for bagworms is best done in June. That's when they're still active. They have yet to really close off their cocoons. Mm-hmm. They're still creepy crawling all over your plants. And there's a particular product that we like to recommend called Spinosad. Um, it's S-P-I-N-O-S-A-D. And Spinosad is a natural insecticide. It's also bacteria-based. It's not going to harm you. This particular bacteria um, cares very little about humans, but is very obsessed with uh, caterpillars and worms. And what it does is it parasitizes them um, and the bug dies. But it's still not a bad idea to spray now, especially if you notice you have uh, a big problem. And now is the time to start plucking those things off and just throw them in the fire, put them in a plastic bag, put them in your garbage. That's the best thing to do to get rid of them now. Uh, and uh, if people want to email you with a question, what do, what do they do? So you can email me directly at ewise. Um, wise is spelled W-I-S-E. Um, so just like it, just like you would uh, normally spell it. Um, so ewise at hairnursery.com. And you can get me directly, email me pictures of of plants that you need to identify, um, or maybe it's having a problem. I'd be happy to get back with you. Um, and don't worry about stumping me. In fact, I look forward to being stumped. Um, I like that. That's how we grow as horticulturists. We can't be know-it-alls all the time. Uh, that's what's so fun about this field. Um, so if you stump me, what's so great about Hair Nursery is I'm not the only horticulturist there. I'm surrounded by them. Uh, so I can always... Uh, fact check or double check what you send with another horticulturist and we'll get you the right answer so uh, let's go to the stone market you can do it online at hair nursery uh, all the various landscaping materials you know what i don't see and maybe i'll I'll click on it in a bit is uh, uh the timbers the um oh like a uh like a like a railroad tie, right. essentially. Yeah. We that the reason why it's very hard to get those. Really, and they're very expensive. Wow, they um, used to be affordable. Is it all part of that whole wood? Uh, so the lumber inflation? debacle definitely. Uh, you know the the. The bubble that was created with the demand because there was such a high housing market. People were buying and building houses. Right. Lumber went up. Um, so it's something that we, we don't carry all the time. To get good like 6 by 6 or 4 by 4 railroad ties, um, they have to be treated, and they tend to just be a little bit more expensive. It's something we used to carry, uh, but we decided that was one of those things that, you know what? Let Menards have it. Yeah. They, they can bring in more of it. We're not going to be able to compete with them. Um, and so we decided, like, ah, we're going to drop that and stick with the stone material because that's an area where we can really be competitive with. Well, let's start off with the natural flagstone as I pull it up. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're just a reminder to the people who, who might be following us along, um, cruising on your laptop or your tablet, your smartphone whatever you have with you, um, you'll cruise down. Once you go on to our uh, garden page, or hairnursery.com, scroll down um, as if you're going to the bottom of the page, and you'll see a long box that says Stone Market. Click on that, and you'll be right where Dan and I are at. Mm-hmm. So looking at all the different types of, of, of flagstone uh, from uh, Black Hills, Cherry Blend is nice, mm-hmm. uh, the Hickory Gray. 
the Pennsylvania bluestone. Well, that's- oh, it is nice to see it in person. It's like this blue gray material. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. And it can also get, uh, it can develop a sort of rust coloration to it mm-hmm. in, in the sun and the moisture. And so it'll start to get these splashes of orange um, in it as well. It's a very beautiful stone. So if you wanted to, and this is something I'm even thinking about, I've got a brick patio. Mm-hmm getting kind of tired of it okay you know uh kind of uneven if i was going to redo it i'd have to pull all the bricks up anyway sure uh could i then uh put down my own flagstone is that difficult to do no it's actually much so what's nice is my best recommendations to go into it especially if you are a novice when it comes to laying down your own flagstone don't go into it with perfectionism in mind mm-hmm. um it's a, there are regular stones, and that's what gives you the look. So don't go into it like brick, where you're going to have a perfect pattern that stretches the whole thing. Yeah. You know, with flagstone, the best thing to do is to just start dropping and placing, and then kind of filling in with smaller pieces as you need to. Mm-hmm. But that's what really gives flagstone uh, that eye popping catch. What people are drawn to, why so many people like it, is the irregularity, the the more natural. Uh, form that you're getting. You're getting this clean cut thing, but it's also natural. No right corners um, or hard angles. So you can't have that perfect 90 degree angle, or can you? It it would be very hard. You might be able to develop that um, on the edge. You know, you might have to make some cuts or a little chisel and a hammer Mm -hmm. in order to like match up with maybe the sidewalk and where the edge of your garden meets. Um, But outside of... Or the lawn. Or the lawn. But outside of that, you know, usually internally, uh, I, I recommend just kind of just fit pieces where they come. So it's like to- a puzzle. Exactly, exactly. A puzzle that you can put together whatever way you want. And how do you seal it together? <laughs> so um, there's multiple ways of doing this. There are um, there are some putty materials that you can use, but really what I find to be most effective um, is sand. Um, and there's also stuff called paver sand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and paver sand is something that solidifies as it gets wet. So what you do um, is you, you first you need to make sure you have a flat and level surface that you're working on. So sometimes uh, you might need to get a hand tamper um, or get a, a powered tamper, something I'm that you'll plug in. I'm pretty good with the hand tamper. I like it's the a, hand tamper. And it's a, it's a great exercise. It really is. Yeah, you'll feel it tomorrow. Your, <laughs> yeah. your, your lats will be nice yeah. and strong. Um, but this is, uh, and by the way, uh, I did this years ago, yeah. but I did it with brick. Uh, this is not something you do on a day or a weekend. Just take your time. Yes, this is something it could take you a week to to yeah. really put together, especially if you know if it's a twelve foot long area, four foot wide, and you're just trying to make a new walk path. Yeah, it, it could take a few days, especially or, if you're new patio. to it. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and the key is getting that tamp down and getting it even. That's yes, and you can buy an eight by eight, a six by six, a ten by ten hand tamper at any hardware store that you yeah. go to. Um, I have an eight by eight. I like it. Let the weight do its job. Yes, you're picking it up, but yeah. then just kind of let it fall down. Mm-hmm. Um, as you as you but sometimes you want to put down some rock some ca6 which is a good uh, material that kind of binds and crushes well and then you want to lay a nice layer of sand over this and this is what you're tamping um, so you're tamping that so you might tamp the stone um, and then you'll tamp the sand on top of that creating a nice level flat surface and now you can start laying your material and then after you've laid your material you've created the pattern that you want you can backfill in with a little bit of sand um, sprinkle it over and then push 
it across with a push broom or a standard uh, sweeping broom. And then uh, what I like to use and what I have used successfully is paver sand. And um, that's what I was talking about. Now, be careful. Once it starts to get wet, it really starts to stick to you. I've had it under my fingernails for a couple of days later um, because it really starts to uh, solidify. Um, so brush that in make sure that it is as dry as it could possibly be brush in the paver sand and then what i've done uh what i like to do is i hook the mist attachment up on my gardening wand mm -hmm. and just hook it onto mist and then just spray the area so you're not using such a high pressure hose that it's blowing away everything you did ah. so just mist it so it stays in place but it gets wet and then that'll help solidify is it like uh, crazy glue it's like you're never going to take that apart again or is it just uh... it'll it'll come about. It's not like a yeah. It's yeah. it's not like a, a crazy glue where now once you've done it, That's it's it. it's it's yeah. Um, it's it's firm enough to kind of stay on its own. But if you went there and you kind of pried up one of those blocks with a yeah. uh, a crowbar, it'll yeah. come right up. Okay. It's, it's not going to hold it together permanently. So you got a good selection. That Pennsylvania bluestone's beautiful. The Rocky Mountain Rose flagstone. Uh, again, we're on the uh, hair nursery page. Uh, and uh, so, and the cherry blend. So there's a lot to choose from. Yeah, we usually carry uh, four or five different colors and varieties at a time mm -hmm. um, with the flagstone. It's definitely a popular seller for us. And then, of course, pavers yep. uh, is something that you can do too. Very similar to put putting those in, right? Uh, that we just talked about. Very similar. Uh huh. Um, now, with some of our pavers, some of them we have on site. Mm -hmm. Some of them need to be ordered in. So like our Holland Stone, we tend to carry some Holland Stone in, um, and I think we have Old York, um, which is on there, um, Brickstone, the Flat Colonial, I believe we carry. I like how they angle that, but then did they? Uh, is there an, a tool you can use to cut that the way it is? Yes. Yeah, so the way that that's cut, they literally used um, a brick saw. Um, which is a lot. You can rent those at an Ace Hardware or so. Uh, be very careful and always make sure that if you're going to use something like that, it is a power tool and it's a big, heavy power tool. So if you have any sort of uncomfortability using power tools, do not use this because it can be a 12 inch blade. Um, but you want to make sure that you use water. Um, you never want to cut a stone dry because you will send pieces everywhere. So you want to saturate the brick or the stone that you want to cut. Um, sometimes you have a second person that is actively uh, keeping sounds the stone like wet. You've, uh, sounds like uh, you've done it to dry a few times. Uh, I haven't, but I've seen it, <laughs> um, and I watched that piece fly past my face and started thinking, I was like, well, it's a good thing I wasn't standing two feet over there. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay. So, yes, uh, please use moisture um, when cutting any brick. Yeah. <laughs> So, and, and they've got a lot of different, if you're looking at the website, a lot of different options. Not all of them are in stock, or most of them? Right. So, we can get them. Some We don't. We just don't have the space to keep every single selection in stock, mm -hmm. but we can order them. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you come in, talk to one of our experts in the stone market. They can go over measurements with you. Uh, Grant, who is our stone market uh, manager, has years of experience being a landscaper. He's taught me some tricks. Mm -hmm. um, he's very efficient. He knows what he's doing. Um, and he can give you tips on how you can do it yourself at home and help you with the dimensions, figuring out exactly how much material you need to get the job done. You can go over catalogs in store with him. Uh, let him know what you want. You'll order it. It might take a couple weeks to get the product, um, but it's certainly something that we can do for you. 
I'm looking at, too, uh, if you're building a retaining wall, you've yes. got all sorts of uh, freestanding and retaining wall blocks. Mm-hmm. And my tip to anyone building their own retaining wall mm-hmm. is please, please, please angle it. Um, you never, if, you're, if your retaining wall is truly meant to, to be a retainer, meaning it's holding in soil um, and kind of uh, helping with erosion control possibly, you never want to build a wall completely straight up and make it perpendicular with the ground because it will not be structurally sound, especially if that wall is meant to retain something higher than two feet. So if you just have a short little wall um, that you want to build around something, a two foot, maybe maybe three foot wall, that's okay. But anything above three feet, I highly recommend that you angle that wall um, uh, towards the pile that you are trying to retain. Um, and what that does is it gives it structural sound um, so that as the, the weight and the gravity pushes out that wall is built in a way that resists it whereas if it was straight up there's not enough um for it to hold on to and it'll pull it'll push over and all your work is lost you know i was just thinking if you had a let's say a raised bed area or you wanted to create one a nice curved uh, maybe i don't know 15 20 feet by about eight or mm-hmm. and with different dimensions and you want to, at the bottom, put some sort of lip on it. Couldn't you put two or three cobblestones together or flagstones? What would look best to kind of border it with just a little raised, maybe, I don't know, four or five inches? Ooh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. no, no, that, that I think what could look really nice, um, I, I guess may, maybe I'm not visioning uh, the same thing, but I've seen some landscape where, like, the flagstone was here and then it led right into the retaining wall. Um, and that no, I was really... just thinking a mulched bed. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, I think, well, so like a mulched bed kind of leading into the retaining wall um, or a or, rock no, bed. No, just a freestanding. you got an area okay. that you're going to uh, put dirt in and kind of put a raised area. I see. I and you see. want to border it on the outside. I know you've got I cobblestones see. and boulders, but you yes. could you could also stack flagstone on it. Absolutely, other. you yeah. could use small pieces of flagstone. We carry a product called drywall, mm-hmm. um, which is already it's natural stone. Um, I think it's limestone, but it's already cut into like foot long uh, by eight inch long pieces. Mm-hmm. So it's much bigger than a brick, two, three times, four times the size of a brick. So you can get a lot of square or linear foot coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, but it looks really nice while still having a more natural look than brick because it still has some texture to it. It's a little bit of unevenness to it while still, for the most part, falling into the mold of 90-degree angles. That would look really nice. But I am a fan of cobblestone. Um, at a house that I had before I'm living now, my whole perennial beds um, and vegetable gardens were surrounded by big chunks of cobblestone or natural cool stones um, and not all stone has to have a rounded edge to it like our cobblestones our granites do but we have a whole bunch in fact you and I were looking at them we have black stones green stones um, yellow stones uh, we have a granite that isn't smooth and rounded but has more jagged edges to it and that adds a really interesting texture. Well, you look at the gorges, the royal gorge, uh, there's a couple of different colors. That's more, that's not your perfectly round boulder, but it is a unique boulder, and some of your sponge boulders as well aren't Mm -hmm. those perfectly round ones. What I am looking at, and maybe we'll get into this next week, if you've kind of have a pond area, boy, those Mexican uh, beach pebbles and Kiwani Creek flats. Aren't they nice? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you can build like you can almost build like little steppers and walkways like you can use the flat stones as 
a walking path. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing I think the average person doesn't always think of mm -hmm. uh, when they're looking at those and envisioning them. But then you go on our website and you can see that's exactly what they built there with the Kiwani Cheek yeah. Flats. Yeah. Is a, an, it's a slightly uneven, um, but it's a walking path that you can use. And it's great in wet areas, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, there is one, and we were looking at it last week. I don't even see it on here. I don't. It's not on here. It's a black rock. So if... Imagine this, you've got an area that's all mulched, uh, and uh, instead of it being crowded with plants, you may mm -hmm. have a small dwarf tree there mm -hmm. with a few different things around, but you want to add uh, a different look, you can get different boulders, but there was a black rock that was gorgeous. Like, what I envision with uh, with that is, you know, like you said, a nice tree, some very contained perennials, uh -huh. something that doesn't spread, yeah. has a nice mounded form, uh, a nice full mulched bed, and then just a few big stones, so a nice clean-kept garden. That's what I'm looking at. Oh, it'd just be beautiful. Yeah. And at that, and minimal what's work, that, what's but that lots black, of aesthetic value. What's the black rock? Uh, black ice. Yeah. Um, so a black ice... Uh, Black Obsidian, maybe, um, but uh, I think it's just called Black Ice because it has a very nice sheen to it. Yeah, it's really gorgeous. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's it's almost, it's reflective. But if you're looking for that look with mulch mm -hmm. and just a few contained perennials, a small tree, but some rocks around, uh, head to the stone market. Yeah. All right, hours. Hours. We are 8 to 6, Monday through Saturday. No more on Sundays. Mm -hmm. um, and anyone listening, um, get your Hardy Bucks ready. They start next Thursday. The 15th okay. is when you can start spending your Hardy Bucks. All right. I got a few uh, myself. And yeah. uh, that'll easily take care of the mulch. Mm-hmm. I can mm -hmm. get that practically free. But, again, this is a, a time uh, we were talking with Greg Batten uh, uh, on the show that uh, a lot of people now are still planting and planting mm -hmm. and adding because right. the fall with grilling yes. out around your patio is the best time. Oh, of yeah. Year. Yeah, get the, your hardscape done now so you can enjoy it in fall, just yep. like you were saying. All right. We'll see you next Saturday at 7 o'clock. For Ethan Wise, I'm Dan DiOrio. Thanks for listening to Green Thumb from Hair Nursery on WMBD.